Well, this morning is a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have five of our elders come up this morning, and they are going to share the message this morning. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. They are going to share. Oh, we have an offering we have to take. Wow. Why don't the men come forward for the offering? Lord, thank you for what we're about to receive. We, we appreciate the opportunity to serve. And God, we ask you to bless this offering and bless us as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we've got Brian Ness and we've got Steve Rabideau, Josh Wormager, Darren Hurt, and Bob Brafart. Uh, they're going to share and they're going to talk a little bit about the vision that we've been talking about for the last uh, five weeks and going to share from their perspective and from their heart uh, about this vision. Uh, this weekend uh, is what uh, the district has put on for district workers in the alliance. We've got districts and in our district we had a district retreat for all of the workers this weekend. It started on Friday and it goes through noon today. So we all left, uh, the churches, the Pattersons, uh, my wife and I, as well as Norma Van Dalen. We've been there all weekend, and Debbie and I came back late last night. Um, but i got to tell you, I wish you could all be there. I wish you could see the workers in our district when they get together and they worship and pray and encourage one another. It's, it's, it's an awesome time. So um, Pastor John, Pastor Bo, and their wives... Norma Van Dalen, they're, they're there this morning. That's why they're not here. Uh, but it's really encouraging time. So even though you maybe didn't know we were going, thank you for letting us go this weekend and for the great time we had. Brian Ness, you're kicking it off talking about our mission. Mm-hmm. Go for it. All thank right. you. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Um, appreciate the opportunity to be, to be able to share a little bit from our hearts this morning on, um, on our perspective from this. Uh, my wife and I, Cheryl, uh, and I have been attending Community Heights for uh, ever since about 1991. Uh, shortly after we got married, we started attending here. Uh, we spent a couple of years down in Tennessee, but otherwise we've been blessed to be able to uh, attend here and serve here and uh, benefit from all those who have gone before us, and we, we praise the Lord for that. Uh, our mission, uh, to love God, to love others, and to make disciples. And uh, we can kind of maybe even simplify that a little bit more, shorten it down to, to, to love and to make disciples. Uh, I appreciate the uh, analogy, the p- word picture that Pastor Jeff has shared with us a number of times ever since uh, one of his first Sundays here. Uh, the, 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 the picture of what our service and what it must be based upon, and that is underlying those boxes uh, of, of love that that must underscore everything that we do here. Um, and I was thinking about that a little bit more, and, and, and where, does that, where is the foundation underneath that? And I think that's spelled out for us in 1 John four nineteen. Uh, we love because he first loved us. And if that's not where it comes out of, if that's not what it flows out of, and prayer and the Holy Spirit, like Pastor Jeff has shared this morning as well already, um, where are we at? Are we really hitting the mark? And so that's what I want to look at a little bit more this morning. Um, one of my favorite parables in the Bible is the parable of the prodigal son, and uh, I love that parable so much because of the perspective um, that it gives us on the Father's love, God the Father's love for us. And I'll have to say, if there's anything that I have struggled with over the years, uh, it has been to know, to to fully understand and know uh, the depth of God's love for me. 
And as I was looking at that passage, as I was looking at the story of the parable of the, the, the prodigal son, it's very familiar to us. We, we all probably are uh, familiar with that story, but how uh, the father had two sons. One of them asked for his inheritance early, and then he went off and he spent it, uh, squandered it, essentially, and uh, broke, uh, ended up broke without any friends, and there was a famine in the land, and uh, rather than being very wealthy, he found himself out in the field feeding swine, uh, longing even just to be able to fill his belly with what the swine were eating. And it's at that point that he came to the realization that even the servants in my father's household are eating better than I am right now. And what struck me about that is his attitude. He said, I will, I will just go back and I will just be a servant and I'll be a servant in my father's household. And what that means to me is that his perspective there was, I need to serve, I need to try to earn my, my, my father's love, I need to try to earn his favor. Um, and and what, what came out to me was the difference between being a son and being a servant. And we all know the story. Uh, when he went back, his father uh, didn't even let him quite finish his statement. He, he was rejoicing. His father was longing for him. Um, and what that tells me is, is maybe the son didn't really understand his father's love for him and how uh, the father desired for relationship, desired for uh, that intimacy of the love relationship that he could have with his son. And he wanted to celebrate, uh, and he wanted to rejoice in that. And so um, as we go forward in this mission and this vision, um, it's got to all... It's gotta, be all about God's love flowing through us and the relationship that he desires to have with us. And out of the overflow of that, uh, then how he can make disciples. Uh, Pastor Jeff talked about the, the, um, the story of the, the vine and the branches. Where does the fruit hang? The fruit hangs on the branches, but it is the life and the love that comes through the vine as we are attached to the vine that um, that love flows and it produces fruit. And it can only be as we are in Christ and as we are in that relationship with him, that loving relationship, that we can uh, ever expect to produce fruit. So I want that to be our perspective as we go forward and look at this. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, the, the chapter on love, and this being Valentine's week, uh, maybe that's kind of special to some of you too. But those verses start out in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongue of men... And of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And it goes on and says, If I do miraculous things, but have not the Father's love, I am nothing, I gain nothing. And so we can look at our, our mission and our vision that way too. Uh, if we engage the next generation, if we mobilize our church to serve, if we become a healing place, uh, if we strive to become a healing, healing place or expand our outreach through missions, but we don't do it in the Father's love, uh, what have we accomplished? And I think we really need to look at that. Where is our heart? Is our heart um, enjoying the love of the Father? Uh, there was a quote that I found that I wanted to share. Um, it comes, uh, I noticed it on the website for John Piper's ministry. Uh, it goes like this. God's, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And to me, that talks about that, that love flowing through from the Father, through us, to produce fruit. And um, I'm not one much for making New Year's resolutions, um, but this year, a few weeks ago, I, I wrote, down, wrote down something for myself in regards to this, that I would make this year, make this the year 
to more fully understand and experience God's love for me. And uh, Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, uh, have become very precious in that regard for myself. Um, These are verses that I have been praying for myself and for my family and for our church as well, that we would understand the, the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of God's love for us. You know, I hope that I, and I hope and trust that that this vision and mission never becomes like a New Year's resolution, like it's something that we have to come up with the strength ourselves to do because we can't. It's got to be as we are in relationship with God and his love flows through us that uh, he will produce fruit in and through our lives. So I would like to close my time before Steve comes up and uh, pray these verses um, for our church, if you will allow me to. Ephesians 3 Uh, verse 16 and, and after. Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is Christ's love for us, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to you who are able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be the glory in us, your church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. So, Pastor Jeff asked us to each kind of filter this through our own uh, perspective. And as I thought about that, I think about Christ as the ultimate architect of church building. And he loved his Father, so he loved God. And he loved everyone that he came in contact with, right up to the people who he asked for forgiveness, the people who put him on the cross. That's an amazing example of love. And he made disciples. And not just disciples, but he made disciples that loved God, loved other people, and made more disciples. And it's like an incredibly simple model, and we just make it too complex sometimes. So fast forward to where we are now, our culture this place, this time. And God's put on our hearts to take that mission and create a vision and the things that we've been talking about for the last five weeks, engaging the emerging generation, mobilizing our church, becoming a healing place, and expanding our reach are all kind of the the vision. They're the what. What do we need to do? Not the how. That's harder. That's later. That's coming. But the what? And so I want to commend everybody who has watched those follow-up videos and engaged in the questions, the discussion questions, and given your feedback, because that's where the how lives, is in that, in that discussion. It's in the collective. It's in, it's, in the, it's in the mastermind of all of us in community That's where we're going to figure out the how do we do this what. And so the Engage the Emerging Generation by creating welcoming and captivating ministry environments and opportunities for both kids and the adults in their lives so that 250 new families will experience salvation and continue their spiritual journey here. 
Now, 250 families might at first seem overwhelming, but over five years, that's one a week. That seems pretty doable. That seems within our capacity, within our grasp. And the discussion of all of that kind of came out of a couple of key places in Scripture. One was Colossians, where the the key word to me there was proclaim and make known the wonderful message, the truth of the gospel. Another one was, you know, came out of Luke 15, and there's three parables there. There's the, there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and there's the lost son, or the prodigal son that Brian was talking about. And how God in heaven rejoices when even one lost soul is found and redeemed. And uh, I think that's powerful. And out of Ephesians 4, talks about unity, one, bot, one body, one God, one spirit, one baptism. Um, I couple that we didn't talk about it, but my brain went to Philippians 4 8. And it's, uh, you know, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, think about those things. Because if you look at, like, from huge perspective, God's perspective, humanity, we're a lot more alike than we are different. And if you see the good in people, you see that we're a lot more alike, and that's, that builds into that unity that Ephesians 4 talks about. When you find things that are negative, that's the, you know, that's the ingredients for division. And so Philippians 4.8 was pretty important for me to, to frame that. So I took this, I took this section because this, the, the, the engaging uh, the emerging generation is pretty real to me. I have, that's kind of 20 to 40, give or take. That's like 80 million people in our country, not worldwide, just in the U.S. And so I have three kids that fit into, that fit into that bracket, two sons-in-law, a granddaughter, and a grandchild on the way. Uh, where I work, I have more than half the people that I work with are in that bracket, the new dentist that's joined me is in that bracket. He has two kids and another one on the way. Uh, so I asked him, I asked him, what, what, what are you looking for? What do you want? And some things emerged out of that discussion. They told me, we want to know the truth about God. And what we don't want is we don't want a bunch of rules. We don't want a bunch of do's and don'ts. We don't want legalism when we don't want to see all the hypocrisy. And it's like, it's not that they don't want to, that they're not willing to be accountable. They just, they, they're, they're just pushed away with a, with a list of do's and don'ts. They want to know truth in a way that they can, that they can take it in. They told me that they wanted a place for their kids. They wanted a place that not just that didn't have gaps. They don't want a place that has a nursery for two to four-year-olds and then there's nothing until fifth grade. They wanted a continuity and that they wanted to feel like the place that they brought their kids, their kids were safe. Now, if you think about it, we got an incredible head start because we do that well here. I don't know everybody that works in kids' ministries. And if you do... Thank you for serving in that capacity. 
I know Londa, and I know Amber, and I know their hearts. And their hearts are reflected hugely in what goes on in that area. And we do kids' ministry all the way through really well. So, my, you know, keep your foot on the gas there. And if you serve, thank you for doing that. The other thing that they said that they wanted is they wanted to be connected to people who were like them, is that moms and new moms want to have some other moms and new moms to connect with. Same thing with dads. And they wanted a modern worship experience. That was what I learned when I asked those people what, you know, what was important to them in terms of, of creating that captivating and that, that environment that they would want to be part of what we're doing here to further God's kingdom. So I didn't do this in first service, but I'm excited about all of this that we're doing. And, you know, I would ask you that, you know, to be committed to that. I would almost ask you that if you're committed to what we're trying to do here, that you'd stand up, but you don't have to do that. That's okay. It's like, be comfortable. All right. So thanks for, uh, just thanks for supporting the vision that, that we're on. Good morning. So I'm Josh Wormager, and my wife, Teresa, and I have been uh, attending and hopefully I would say serving for what the last 20 years here and so I have the mobilization uh, section of this uh, talk this morning so to mobilize means to prepare and organize for active service so I don't know how many leaders are in the group um, but that's what we're looking for and so I've got 200 shovels in the back of my truck and we're going to shovel every driveway and sidewalk so I want to know who's willing to volunteer to help out Okay, so I said this in the first service, and I got one. So we're, we've got up to ten, I think, now. So we're good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, after, this, after the first service, a little boy came up, a young boy came up and said, hey, what about that shoveling thing? I was like, oh, sorry, buddy. We were just, just kidding. But actually, you know what? There's probably people around you, neighbors, right, that probably could use their, need their, their driveway shovel or sidewalk shoveled, right? So that's a great way, obviously, to reach uh, people that are outside uh, the church or our neighbors. Um, but we're looking for people to serve both inside and outside of the church walls, right? And not limited to Sunday or Wednesday ministries. Um, serving outside the church might involve meeting the practical needs of our community, um, shoveling driveways, um, or maybe even um, meeting the needs of those struggling with addictions, uh, those with financial needs, um, supporting those and encouraging those that are maybe homebound, um, that need work, people in the nursing home, the hospitals, Sharon Buckman if, you're, Buckman, if you're listening, we're praying for you, thinking of you. Sharon's in the hospital again. And um, so we have great, great opportunities. So we need those of you that have the gift of leadership and organization, or I may even go so far as the gift of initiative. We need people that at least have ideas that would be willing to submit those to those around them that are leaders, and then they can get up and support them, right? I think, um, you know, just, just submitting, just coming, showing up on a Wednesday night, um, Mike Sanders sat in my small group on, on Wednesday nights. I have like 16, you know, sixth grade boys, you know, and I'm trying to wrangle them and all that, and it's a good time. You should try it sometime. But you should come. And he just sat in and just listened, and he, you know, he gave a few, you know, words of, of encouragement. And, but I really believe a three-fourths of ministry is just showing up. You don't even have to open your mouth. Just come. 
and go, go um, show up on a Wednesday night or even um, Discover Hope. There's a lot of awesome ministries related to Discover Hope um, on Tuesday nights. You can just show up and just get involved in a, in a group and just, and just be there and pray with them. Um, so those are great uh, opportunities for you to get involved. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others, a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. So be faithful in whatever gift God has given you. And he's given every single one of you a gift. And you have the gift of prayer. Everyone can pray. We all need to be praying uh, for our church family and for those that are lost and that need Christ. And I want to challenge you to fight the temptation to believe that you have nothing to offer. Fight the temptation that, what if I fail? If I thought that every time I got up here and played guitar, I would never be up here. You all have something to give. Fight the temptation to think that, you know what, I can put it off. They don't need anybody right now. Or the temptation to think, I have no time, no time to, to do that. I want to thank those that have, that have took the initiative to start start small groups and start ministries. I'm looking at Ryan Volk down here. He's starting a men's study starting this week. I wish I could be in there, but I've got to wrangle the sixth graders, in, you know, on Wednesday night. But he's going to do it, and I know those are, are going to be helping him. So thanks, Ryan, for, for stepping out and doing that. Um, but fight the temptation to be selfish. I, and I, and I, I admit I, I fight all those temptations, right? Or sometimes I don't even want to show up. It's like sometimes I help drive the van with Kurt. Henderson, I'm like, I don't even know if I like these kids. But you know what? After we get done, we're like, you know what? That made a difference. That made a difference. Um, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Look out not only for your own interests, but for the interests of others. And remember, sometimes the feeling follows your behavior, right? You don't maybe not feel like doing it, but after you've done something, that feeling of, yeah, that was worth it. That was worth it come, comes after the fact. So thank you for those that are serving. Those that are leaders, encourage you to continue to, to lead and don't grow weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up and quit. But for those that are leaders, continue to look for ways to lead. And those that have ideas, are we willing to at least initiate and come alongside or just show up? I encourage you to do that as well. We need to continue to remember we need to be devoted in prayer in all of this. I thank Paul and, and Michelle ran for their hard work and helping organize the prayer, the prayer teams and that's, that's, that's critical. You know, on a Wednesday night when I get here and I see Connie and Lonnie Barton going over to the room praying, that's huge. That means, that means a lot. Because our battles are not physical, right? They're spiritual battles. And um, we need to be devoted to prayer. We need to continue to ask God to search our heart and see if there be any sin in our hearts. Because if there's sin in the camp, if there's sin in the body, what we're trying to do is never, it's, it's not going to amount to anything. I was just listening to a service or a series on Joshua. And Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You remember that, that tune? Well, Joshua really didn't fight it. It was God that fought the battle. He just obeyed what, he, what God told him to do, and the walls came tumbling down, right? Well, the next city they tried to conquer, they got beat, right? Because there was, there was sin in the camp. It was one person, but it was the whole body. So when you continue to be in prayer, when you continue to ask God, where is it that we need to, to get right with you? So it's go time. It's go time. I like that, Jeff. It's go time. We need, to be, we need to be initiating and leading and serving where God, the Spirit, wants us to serve. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our motivation for mobilizing and initiating 
is our love for, for Jesus, for Christ's love compels us because he laid down his life for us. Thanks. Well, good morning. Um, my wife Karen and I and our family have been attending uh, Community Heights since 1983, where we've been privileged to be ministered to all those years, as well as hopefully done some ministry as well. This is a, a special place. I get the opportunity to talk about uh, becoming a healing place. The Bible says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You know, Jesus tells us if we learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. As I have lived life, I've come to realize that Matthew 11 doesn't mean, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will take away your problems. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed, God, take this or take that away. I've come to understand that healing and rest often means your problems don't necessarily go away, but you can find rest and peace in the midst of them. My children through the years and just being a dad has proven this point to me over and over. A wise person shared with me a few decades ago, little kids, little problems, Big kids, big problems. Of course, I didn't understand that truth until my kids got older. And it didn't take long for me to realize that by praying only for their problems to go away never helped anything. It never gave them peace and it never gave me peace. As our family grew grew older, I've learned that real life things, sorry, As our family grew older, I've learned the real-life things that we go through, the struggles, the heartaches, are the very thing that draws us to God and gives us rest. We have difficulty resting in the midst of adversity. A lot of time, I want to solve my problem by believing all I have to do is talk it out or maybe just pray and it'll all be going away, it'll, it'll all go, go away. And I've actually had tried to push this philosophy on other people. But that didn't work, especially people closest to me. It's kind of like telling someone to calm down in the midst of uh, them being agitated. I believe we as a church need to continue to be real with each other. Speaking for myself, I need to show others that I don't have it all together. And that I'm far from getting it right. Some years ago, I met with a friend from our church in a Bible study. And as we were studying John, uh, he started to struggle. He started to struggle with reading. He started to struggle, struggle with being consistent and showing up. And finally, one, one day, he just said, I can't do this. I'm not like you, Darren. And I went, time out. I think we need to talk. And I began to share my life with him and all its struggles and failures I wanted him to know that we were not any different. And almost daily, I wish I would be more godly and more like Jesus. A number of years ago, I got to experience his side. At a time in my life when I wasn't very lovable, a pillar from our church came alongside of me and basically said, you'll get through this. It's going to be okay. And one day you'll be able to experience his peace and rest. He shared with me, except by the grace of God, go I. That made a 
that made a huge impact on my life, and I'll never forget that act of kindness some 25 years ago. I believe that there's a number of us that feel that we're not very good Christians compared to so-and-so. And if we feel that we don't measure up, imagine how people outside of our church might feel. The more real that we can be with each other, the more real it'll appear to the untouched or the unchurched in our community. There's such a freedom being with others who know what you're going through, that know your mess, and love you anyway. We can truly be a body where people can see that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. John 8 says, If you hold to my teaching, which means to love each other, you are my real disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I pray that we can become a church where people in our community can be set free. Good morning. My name is Bob Broffart. Um, many of you know us, Bob and Becky. Um, and my assignment is to uh, the topic of expand, expand our reach. Um, that is uh, talking about training and sending five full-time missionaries, mobilizing 100 of our adults and students annually to a mission experience, partnering with our district churches to plant at least three new churches. Um, That is kind of near and dear to our heart, um, the missions aspect, since we are missionaries in uh, Gabon, Central Africa, and and Mali, West Africa. And um, during our time there, we had the uh, joy of hosting a number of uh, uh, work teams. So we had many people coming through through our mission there. And uh, it was such a blessing. And the big blessing was, biggest blessing was to see God, um, you know, they came to do specific things, (coughs) but um, to see how God was working in their lives and and how how the things going on in the mission field impacted their lives. And the second item there, mobilizing 100 of our adults and students um, annually. Um, is something I think that will actually fill the first up, first line of training and sending five full-time missionaries because there's so many people that are affected uh, by what they see on the mission field. Um, and people start, it really, they really take it to heart and start praying about it, and um, God sends them to different places. So I'm excited about that. Um, This, uh, the whole list that we've got before us, the mission, this is truly a God-sized mission. And we won't be able to do it on our own. Uh, We need God and his spirit in this. Jeff covered, uh, mentioned, the Pastor Jeff mentioned Romans 8.14 in one of the slides. And he was emphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit in this whole project. Eight, uh, Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Um, the Holy Spirit is a game changer. In, uh, for the disciples, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a small group on Tuesday mornings, early Tuesday mornings. 
and any guys that want to be there. Um, there's one on Tuesday morning and Thursday mornings. It's, it's a great time. And um, the, in Acts, the, all through um, before Acts, and then the first chapter of Acts, the disciples were pretty much all about themselves pretty well. But in Acts 2, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that was a game changer. Um, they went from focusing on themselves to focusing on bringing the message of salvation of Christ to the world, even at their own peril. The Holy Spirit made an incredible change in, in Paul, um, Saul at the time. Um, he was breathing murderous uh, threats against the early Christians. And, uh, but after his Damascus Road, Damascus Road experience um, in receiving the Holy Spirit, he goes from, from hate to love. Uh, he loved to the point that he was literally laying down his own life just so people had a chance to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. One of those, I didn't mention this this morning, one of those um, times when he was stoned or when he was... Um, yeah, he was stoned. Um, it, it just amazes me. They took him outside the village, and he was left for dead. The disciples came around him, and, and he got up. And I'm sure they were praying over him pretty hard. Um, but he got up, and what did he do? He went back into town. The guy was just sold out for Christ. Um, the passage I shared last week, Matthew nine thirty six through 38 when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, before I close in prayer, I'd like to, to share with you. Again, we were missionaries in, in Mali, West Africa, in Kuchala. Um, before there was a hospital there, um, there were little. There was a little over a handful of uh, dispensaries um, in in small villages around Kuchala, and Kuchala is it's it's a town. When we got there, it was a town of 160,000, and now it's like 250,000. Um, but their home office was in Kuchala. The facilities in those villages. Um, would consist of a small pharmacy. I think I have a picture of it on my slides, actually. A small pharmacy, um, uh, a place to treat the sick, and um, an area for delivering babies. Um, they were meeting the immediate needs of people in small villages and having the opportunity to share Christ. One of the big issues was that if someone needed a C-section, the mother and baby's life were in danger. Because the nearest hospital that could help any could help that may be able to help them was many hours away. Building a mission slash church hospital was discussed many times, but the task was just overwhelming to them. Just outside of Kuchala is a Bethel Bible School, and there's been a number of people in our church that have been there, and I've actually taken them out to see dispensaries too. Um, around, the, around the late 90s, the wife of the director of the Bible school was pregnant. The, final, the time finally came for her to deliver, but the baby was breached. 
She was taken to the local government hospital. They pushed the missionaries out of the room and tried to force the baby out. They accomplished that, but the mother died. So instead of thinking, how can we possibly build a hospital, it changed quickly to, how can we not? The vision before us, as at first may appear to be daunting and impossible, and may even and, and we may ask, how can we possibly do that? But as we consider the cost of not reaching these people for Christ, that that thought quickly turns to, how can we not do this? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today and for these people. Lord, thank you for loving us and sending your son that was and still is a game changer. We go from death to life by simply accepting, believing, and following Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you for the freedom and joy that it brings to our lives. The task before us is huge for us, but not for you. I praise you for that knowledge because that comes from you, not from our society or our culture, but from you. Father, you have told us that that all we have to do is ask, and even mountains will be moved. Father, we are asking. May we all kneel to pray for those who are lost, those we see every day, those we feel are lost, are a lost cause, but you don't. Help us to be willing to get messy, to be willing to have the order in our lives be disrupted for you. Bring forth the harvesters, the crop is ready. The, the crop is precious in your eyes and should be in ours also. The time is here. Equip us, guide us to those you, have, you would have us to reach. May your spirit be upon us all, and we pray that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.